We tap off the winter sports season with basketball underway on this edition of the Seaco Sports Forum. I'm Sherm Chester, and today I'm joined by Roger Brown, the sports writer and columnist for the Union Leader, and also the the head honcho of New Hampshire Football Report.com and New Hampshire Hardball. Roger, welcome aboard. Thanks for having me, Sherm. Happy holidays oh. to everybody. Yeah, happy holidays. Are, are you all set? <laughs> no, not, not quite. <laughs> we'll get there, though. You can't wait to the last minute, man. You just can't. <laughs> well, I went in with a strategy, Sherm, so we'll see if I can execute it. But yeah, well, that's good. Have a plan. That's all you can do. And then <laughs> things get thrown awry. You just go, hey, I tried, you know. That's right. <laughs> well, let's get down to business. It is uh, the start of the winter sports season. Uh, all, all the uh, respective teams and, and schools are underway and divisions. Um, this program, I thought we'd, we'd start off with basketball. Uh, in particular, because the season is accelerated this year. Now, maybe you could explain that. What happened here with uh, with basketball in the state of New Hampshire? Well, I think actually it was before last season. It wasn't as noticeable because of the COVID season we have, but they shortened the season by four weeks, I believe. Um, a little unsure why. I mean, I've, I've been told a lot of it had to do with the, the vacations, you know, the Christmas vacation and the February vacation. Not sure if that's the reason or not, um, but yeah, we're going to have a quick basketball season. Um, I know a lot of the coaches that I spoke with, some of them were actually in favor of the shortened season, but again, I can't really give you a reason why, um, but a lot of them were in favor of shortening the season, but not by this much, like two weeks, they, I think they thought would have been okay. Um, but, you know, chop four weeks off the season, that's, that's a, that's a big chunk. So it'll be interesting to see how things play out this year. The, the accelerated season, I keep calling it accelerated season because it did start prior to Christmas this year. I mean, it, for an old timer like me, you're used to maybe one game before Christmas and then the tournament usually up in Manchester and then the season really gets rolling in January. So I, I don't know if, if, if this different vibe is going to be a good thing or a bad thing. I, what do you, from a player perspective, what do you think it will be? You know, I always thought the season was kind of slow December. I never really liked the game or two. And then you go to a Christmas tournament and let's face it. There's, you know, compared to, I don't know, 20 years ago when we had a lot of big time Christmas tournaments in this state, there's not that many that bring in a lot of quality teams, you know, mm -hmm. and I always thought that, you know, the first month of the season, not much happened. You play a game or two that's meaningful, then you play a Christmas tournament. And before you know it, it's the middle of January. Hmm. So, I, again, I don't know their reasoning. I wasn't in the room, but I, I would have been okay cutting things off in this end of the the uh, season or, or, you know, not starting until later, at least games. Um, and just, you know, keeping the back end the same. You know, March is usually when they held their tournaments. But, um, you know, and – Maybe you could even start with the Christmas tournaments, right? That could be uh, okay, those yeah. games don't count in your standing. So those those could be almost like preseason games where you right. figure some things out. But again, I don't know the ins and outs of what was discussed or the whys. And um, again, if they were trying to get rid of, you know, before the February vacation or, or the spring vacation, that would be a problem because they'd have to extend it past that. So um, these things were just, you know, Back when we played, Jeremiah, 
you didn't worry about vacation. If you made right. the team, that was the last of your consideration. Just going somewhere and, on vacation. You know, and so. one thing, yeah, I was just going to say one thing. You didn't go up to the coach and say, uh, "Coach, uh, we're going to take February vacation and go to Disney World." You are off the team. You were gone. Right, right. Go, go ahead. Right. We won't be seeing you in uniform. Enjoy, enjoy Mickey and, and Minnie, and, and good luck to you. No, right. I, one thing I did notice that, and it goes with both uh, uh, Jeff Holmes and Dave Sokolnicki's uh, teams, and, and I'm sure for a lot in the league and the divisions. Um, the, the players, uh, and just stick for Holmes and Sokolnicki in this case, the teams are deep. They're, they're, they use their benches. I know in our day, if you were lucky, you were the sixth or seventh man, you got to play. And beyond that, maybe eight. And after that, you were you know, pulling splinters out of your tush. Uh, now they, they utilize their, their players that they have on the bench. Um, it's almost like with uh, Coach Sokolnicki, it's almost like uh, hockey lines going out five at a time, which is a different different way of playing. And I think it gives the other team a, a, a different look, meaning they have to figure out, okay, now we got five different players out there now. Some teams don't have that luxury. They do sure. have a smaller squad. Uh, and, and the other thing I was going to say is that the players themselves, with the accelerated season, I think they're ready to play all the time especially uh, from what I, I've watched, mostly the guys games, those guys are playing basketball constantly. It's not like, Oh, well, good. I get to take a few days off and rest. If you're into the sport, you're into the sport. You're playing it all the time. You're a gym rat. And I think that's, so this season with basketball in particular, maybe with a, a sport like football or hockey, where you have to heal up a few bruises, you know, getting banged around the boards in hockey or, or on the field, on the field. Um, you go, do you buy me into what I'm saying? Well, I, you know, depth is obviously something everybody envies, right? Uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, foul trouble, things like that. But I, I would think having a good bench benefits you in practice as well, right? You want your starters to go against good competition every day too. So that's kind of like an un, uh, unseen benefit of it. And I know, you know, going back to last year, Bishop Girton, who won the boys title, two of their better players came off the bench last year. Um, so they had a pretty deep rotation, you know, so that speaks to the value of depth too. Uh, but yeah, the basketball players, I agree. They're playing basketball. If they weren't playing another fall sport, there's leagues year round. And, you know, the, the getting in shape part, I'm not, I don't know that I'm all that concerned about that. Um, not a coach, so maybe I'm wrong, but you know, if you got guys that were playing football or, or, uh, soccer or whatever the case may be you know they sh they should be in decent shape it's not like they're coming in right you know after sitting on the couch for a month um they may not be in quote-unquote basketball shape but whatever that is but you know they've been running and doing stuff so um i, I would think they would get up to speed conditioning wise fairly quickly but uh yeah you know but your point is, is well taken about depth everybody wants it it's it's a it's a great thing to have and I think, you know, in our case, both the, you know, the blowout boys and girls helped a program. I know Portsmouth, the Clippers have had a program where they can kind of just reload every year. Uh, the Warriors have had that, that build up. And I think Jeff said in his interview that probably the Seacoast is, is the, the deepest part of the division. Uh, what's your take? I mean, I know you mentioned BG. Who, who else is a contender from what you're seeing? Well, I mean, the, the Seacoast has definitely been the, the strength of Division One in recent years. I don't know if that'll be the case this year with the boys. Um, you know, it's, it's early, but two teams that come to mind are Gosstown and Trinity, just based on 
returning players. Um, you know, I think Pinkerton will be very good as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, BG, they lost five starters, but two of their key players came off the bench. So I wouldn't expect them to drop off that far either. But uh, seems like there's a lot of more turnover this year in Division One boys than there usually is. So there's a lot more getting familiar with these teams than they're, you know, normally. Plus with the COVID season last year, you didn't see the teams as much, or at least I right. didn't. And uh, so it's a little bit more difficult to pinpoint you know, with confidence, yeah, this team's going to be in the top four, this team's in the middle of the pack or what have you. So a lot of it, it's just going to have to, we'll have to see how things unfold here in, in the first month or so of the season and then maybe come back and we'll have some stronger opinions, you know, and who's where the strengths lie. Well, as, as I mentioned in my interview with coach Holmes, I mean, the protocol and with, with coach, Sokolinke, the protocols are still in play and, and uh, the season hopefully doesn't get curtailed or, or at least, uh, you know, um, teams don't get you know followed up by covid uh that's the only COVID thing you, and weather i mean you, you made a good yeah. point in the interview i thought sure where if they get backed up you know playing three games a week i haven't checked everybody's schedule but are they playing any weekend games because yeah, i think some okay. teams are yeah yeah because i mean that could be a benefit i mean i'd like to see some saturday night games you know uh, or saturday afternoon games like mm -hmm. if you're playing three a week you know it's you know, I, I don't think they want to play Friday night and Saturday. That's a bit of a problem, you know, but if you have your, your Friday night game canceled or I don't know, it seems like they could schedule some weekend games and more people could get out to see it, I guess is my point. Yeah, but no, I agree with it's, you there. It, it's, it's tougher when you play Friday night and you got to turn around and play again less than 24 hours later, but. And, uh, and I, I, I was just going to say, I don't know if you caught our interview with uh, Cody and Josh Morissette, but the, the thing that I think, <laughs> we brought out in that interview was that, and, and I guess it goes to my point of the, these athletes, the student athletes now, whether they're specializing in a sport or trying to be, you know, an all purpose athlete, uh, a multi-sport athlete, whatever, um, they keep in shape. They're, they, 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 they focus, you know, they're focusing on whatever. And then, and then usually they specialize at some point, Josh, obviously with basketball and Cody went to the baseball, but I, even in the interview, Cody said, Hey, I, I still love football, you know, and, and basketball, you know, he <laughs> loves to play those sports, but now he's got to concentrate on, on that little leather baseball, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm sure if, um, you know, Cody was to go play five one five basketball somewhere around here, you know, when he's home, he's going to be pretty good still, you know what I mean? It's not like he's going to be baseball shape only and he forgot how to play oh, yeah. dribble and shoot you know so. exactly and the other thing you mentioned was that josh is, is a real good baseball player too so. <laughs> yeah he's, he is excellent i've seen him play baseball very very good well uh, do you have anything on the girls uh, i know Portsmouth is usually dominant in, in the race for division one uh or any of the other divisions any of the other teams you know the in any of the other divisions whether it's boys or girls that you know you have any news about coaching changes whatever Oh yeah, a lot of we'd be here all day with coaching turnovers. Quite a bit of that, sure. But okay. uh, you know, Winnicott has a new girls coach. Um, you know, I think you hit it right on in Division One at least. I think Portsmouth will be the best, or at least on paper going into the season. Again, I'm going to reserve judgment because I until I see a few games. But you know, based on what they have returning, I think they have 13 out of 15 returning. Perhaps my numbers may be off a little bit, but the bulk of their roster is returning. And I think they were semifinalists last year. So, I mean, just based on that, I would expect them to maybe be the 
at least a favorite among Seacoast teams. But, you know, Division One has become it's – it's the same old faces pretty much. You know, BG, Bedford, Pinkerton, you put them at the top. I would expect those three, you know, be very strong again this year. Um, again, lower division is going to take some time before I could really analyze things with any degree of confidence. Uh, there's a lot of teams out there and we're just, you know, scratching the surface of the season. So, um, not sure where the strength would be in any of those divisions just yet. And I just, one other question about the coaching, is there any coaching change that you saw that kind of surprised you or, or uh, retirement or anything like that? Uh, not really. Nothing that jumped off the page. You know, there's just these days, there's a lot more coaching movement than there used to be. It used to be kind of news whenever a coach stepped down. But, you know, these days, there's a lot of guys or, or women who do it for two years and then they're out, you know. So um can't say there was anything in the offseason that really, you know, shocked me. But there's quite a bit of there has been quite a bit of coaching turnover, you know in all divisions, just looking through it, you know, doing some research and new coaches everywhere. How many years, Jeff uh, Holmes has been there <clears throat> quite a few. I've been, I've been doing the PA announcing for almost 30 years now, because I, I started with Gary Tyrone then uh, Kyle Hudson and then Jeff. So I don't know how many years Jeff's been. There's gotta be in the twenties right now. And yeah, he must've been what mid to late nineties. Yeah. yeah, That's yeah. Right. Oh, Jeff's boy. really, really old. <laughs> He doesn't show his age. Come on now. <laughs> and, and problem, is, problem is I was covering him back then when he was hired. So that <laughs> say the same thing about me. I've seen the quality of basketball over the past 25 years up the ante, so to speak. You know, you see more, I, I, again, back to the training. I think these kids have the facilities that they go to, to really specialize or, or, or concentrate on whatever the sport is they're playing. And uh, you can see the difference. You can see the difference and coaching. I think it makes the coaching a little better because they don't have to start from scratch every year. You know, you don't have to have a camp and hope that you come up with five, six, seven, eight guys. You pretty well much have to cut people because you got too much talent out there. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And talent is always good, Sherm, for sure. I want to change, uh, change topics here because uh, we had, a show last week uh, with uh, Mike Murphy from UNH and uh, they had a couple of big announcements. Uh, well, three in particular, uh, first off the athletic director, Marty Scarano announced his retirement at the end of 2021, 2022 season uh, of school. And then uh, coach Mac, uh, Sean McDonald announced his retirement. And, uh, and then the appointment of Rick Santos uh, as the head coach of the uh, Wildcats. So, you're covering all that. Give me a, your feel of what went down and what, what's going to come out. Well, I don't think Santos being named head coach was a surprise. Um, there was, you know, a lot of us thought that there was a chance that Sean would step down. Nobody knew for certain. So that was, I can't say that was expected. I wasn't stunned by it, but, you know, he little surprised just for the fact that it was, they had, um, they, they didn't meet his expectations this year, I guess is the best way to put it. So I wasn't sure if he wanted to go out that way. I thought he might come back, you know, and if they were eight wins or something like that next year, I would have bet that that would have been the year he would have stepped down. But, you know, from, from talking to him at his press conferences, it's just in the last few years, college football has changed tremendously with, 
mm-hmm. these NLIs and, you know, not so much at UNH is that a, an issue, but <clears throat> the transfer portal, I think, is something that, you know, schools are gonna, have been forced to deal with and use. And I don't think Sean was a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those who followed him, he, he very rarely brought transfers into the program. You know, he, he recruited his kids and he stood by them and uh, kept his word and all that. And, you know, he, he wanted to build a, uh, a program, which he did, and his way worked. And now this transfer portal has just changed the face of football. I don't think he enjoyed the thought of, you know, moving forward, having to use the portal years to come. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that was probably a big factor. And then another factor could have been, I'm just guessing here, but Marty's decision uh, to step down, that may have affected Sean's decision. I know they had talked about going out together before, but, you know, a new AD comes in, you know, who knows what he's going to do, right? He's, he's got different ideas and, you know, um, all that stuff factored together. I think Sean just figured, you know, maybe the time is right to step down now. So now, do you think uh, Rick Santos, um, uh obviously is an experience or had some experiences coaching uh, in his past and filled in when coach Mack had uh, some health issues. We were both part of the press conference and, you know, he, he, he tells folks, I think, and he means it, he's going to keep the program intact. He's not going to just, you know, with a new broom sweep clean, but I mean, what do, what do you see him putting as his mark on the program? Well, I mean, the foundation for UNH football has been built, right? It was there with coach Bose and Sean, um, you know, use that foundation or blueprint, whatever you want to call it, and, and took it to another level. And I think uh, Santos would be crazy to make wholesale changes in the way they do things because they've been so successful. But I'm sure he has his own ideas and he'll put his own stamp on the program. What way? I'm not sure yet. Again, back to the transfer portal. I, I'm sure he's a younger guy. I wouldn't be surprised if you see UNH use that, you know, to a fairly significant degree to bring in players, fill, fill in depth wherever you need it. Um, and I, you know, I would expect their recruiting areas to pretty much remain the same. Um, but you know, I, I, one benefit I think is he did have that year as head coach interim when Sean was out for health reasons. So I think that's, to me, that's a huge, uh, I asked him about it at the press conference, you know, he's basically had a, a year on the job even though this is his first real head coaching job. So it's not like he's coming in and going to be blindsided by anything. I don't believe he had a whole year to deal with all the stuff that comes with running a football program. So um, if I was a UNH football fan, I I feel pretty good about things despite how last season ended, you know? So. Now you've uh, talked to players, you've talked to players and, you know, uh, under coach Max regime, and, and you haven't, I know, I assume you haven't had any chance to talk with any of the players. Uh, no, no current players, just okay. former players and things like okay. that. Because uh, what I guess my, my question to you would be, do you see from the player's perspective, now that they've got a younger coach, they'll be more tuned into him. And I am not knocking coach Mac. I'm just saying that, do you think that's where the kids are at now? The players? No, I, I think when coach Mac spoke, you tuned in, you, <laughs> you know, okay. you better tune in. Right. I've seen him speak at clinics and uh, adult men who coach in high school and other places tune in when he speaks. So 
I'm not saying uh, Rick won't have their attention 100% focus, but you know, when, when Sean spoke, they people were listening, you know, no question about it. I, I can't see it any other way. Um, you know, he shifts gears when he gets into that motivational, you know, mm. um, stuff. I've seen it in action and I just can't imagine there was any, you know, loss of focus there. Um, but, you know, again, I think it helps to have somebody familiar to these kids. It's, it's a face that they've seen around and, and he's been coaching them. Right. So they know what they're getting. I think mm. that helps. There is a, you know, there is a less of a generation gap, you know, for whatever that's worth, but, um, you know, they got a lot of younger guys on staff too. So, you know, I, I, uh, all things considered, I think they're in pretty good shape. You know, they just got to get some results on the field. And the other question I, I, and I, I'm just asking you to, to look into your crystal ball. Do you see somebody like Rick Santos hanging in there for a length of time? Let's, let's give it at least a decade. Do you see him there for the long haul, like Bill Bowes and Sean McDonald? Well, I, I, hard to say, Sherm, really. I mean, he's a New England guy, went to UNH, right? You know, started a family here, so he's got some roots, but I, I probably depends on who comes calling if, if he's fortunate enough to get some of those calls, you know? I mean, it's if you look at college football landscape, there's former UNH guys everywhere, you know, not just as head coaches, but as offensive and defensive coordinators and it's, it's amazing how many guys have come through Durham to you know right. further their careers so yeah I, I just I couldn't answer that question I guess right now it's you know yeah he's yet to uh have his first full season but you know if he if he does have four or five great years and then moves on so be it you know the program yeah. will be in good shape that'll mean he's done good things here and you know he'll leave it in good shape for the next guy any other news you have there's some football rumblings because we're going to have a new setup with, with uh, high school football next uh, fall. It's a reclassification year. So they're, you know, they're nothing's final yet, but certainly division one is going to look a lot different. It looks like they're going to have three conferences instead of four mm-hmm. with seven teams in each conference. So you'll be playing, you know, a lot of non-conference games that are randomly picked or I'm not sure how they're going to pick them. But, you know, like last year, when it kind of next year played the same schedule, that won't be the case moving forward. I'm hearing 13 teams are going to make the playoffs. The playoffs are going to extend past Thanksgiving. So, you know, not, not an ideal situation, but the reason for that is they will have 21 teams in Division One next year. So it's a lot easier to, you know, do what you want with 20 teams and 21. So they got to figure out how they're going to class, you know, how they're going to group teams first, you know, um, it's usually the ADs, but, you know, division one, it was pretty much set, right. You you played the teams in your conference and then you'd play the teams in the other conferences every three years. So one year you'd be playing the West, the North, then the South, and then it just kept going. So there's really no scheduling to do, you know, home one year waited, but, but now, you know, you're going to have a bye week. So you could play out-of-state opponent, perhaps. Um, and again, you're probably going to be playing six teams in your conference, which leaves, you know, at least a couple of games out of conference. I don't know how they're going to figure out who plays who there. Mm-hmm. You know, probably try and match up good teams against good teams. But it's, you know, I, I, I 
the good thing about the the old format was everybody had a balanced schedule. It was fair. You know, your your nine games, you played the same teams that I played if we were competing for a playoff spot. Right. I understand they can't do that this year, but it's too bad because that is the the perfect situation, right? For mm-hmm. for fairness and and you know getting the right teams to the playoffs, et cetera. So we'll just have to see how it shakes out. I think they got a few more things to tweak. You know, if a team would have gone down to division two, like they've had in past years, it would have solved everything, but uh, couldn't get a team to go down, I guess. Uh, hmm. Now, so. is that, again, is that the football committee or is NHIA or who makes that call? I mean, can't the coaching committee just say, uh, and I won't mention any teams, but you know, so-and-so, uh, Maybe this year you go down and, and we'll maybe bring you back in a year or two. Yeah, get... I think they can recommend, but I don't think you can force a team down when their enrollment puts it in Division One. You know, yeah. I don't know how much strong arming they could do, but no. I guess if they wanted to, they could probably find a way, but, you know, it would be against the team's will. You know, in the yeah. past, I think teams have requested it, so it's been a lot easier. Well, the two-minute drill, how about that? You got something for me? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Keeping it local here on the seacoast, uh, I don't know if you remember uh, Meg Nolmeyer, who played girls basketball at Winnicunit. Uh, mm-hmm. She was player of the year in Division One. Uh, the short story is she went to New York Tech. They dropped sports last year, so she transferred to Southern New Hampshire. She's having a phenomenal year at Southern New Hampshire. Uh, you know, I think they're like eight and one going into the weekend. Uh, second in the conference in rebounding. She tied the school record for rebounds in a game, I think 26, scoring in double digits. So, um, you know, she was thinking about not playing basketball, you know, for her final year, but they they convinced her to come to uh, Southern New Hampshire. And, I, I, you know, she's just flourished this year. So, you know, it's not a far drive if people want to go catch her play a game. There you go. That's, that's great. That's great. And uh, one other thing I was just thinking about uh, uh, for signings for UNH, uh, uh, we had uh, the local kid, Gosstown kid, uh, Strickland, that signed up with the UNH Wildcats, correct? Yep, Strickland, and they had a kid out of Manchester, Nate Roach, uh, who plays for uh, Prep School of Massachusetts. So they got two local kids, uh, both big kids, linemen types. Yeah. Tight. Strickland's more of a tight end. And when UNH's offense has really been humming, they've always had a very effective tight end, All-America type tight end. And not to say they haven't had good tight ends the last year, but for whatever reason, they haven't had the production out of that position that they used to have. So, you know, I, I think they told him he has a chance to come in and play right away. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, it'll be fun to see. Uh, I assume it'll be Rosemer behind center next year for the UNH Wildcats have a target there with uh, Strickland. That'd be fun to watch. I, I always love a local connection, whether, you know, uh, it just, it just gives to me, a little more something for the team. So we'll, we'll, we'll root him on next, next year. Hopefully he can come on as a freshman and uh, get it done. Uh, my two minute drill. I just wanted to say uh, thanks to Roger. We're going to be working on a special show coming up. Uh, Tim Neverett, who was a voice of the Red Sox for many seasons and uh, now is uh, out in Los Angeles broadcasting for the Rogers team, the Dodgers. What's the good side? <laughs> well, he's a good luck charm. He had a championship here, and then he went out to the West Coast and brought them one. Uh, Tim put out a book. In fact, I'm listening to it. I do the I love audio books, and especially if it's the author. And uh, Tim, being a broadcaster, it's really great to listen to. It's it's his take on the season the Dodgers went through under 
all the COVID protocols and problems that went on with it. So we're hoping to have him on to talk uh, baseball and, and the Dodgers in particular in that, that particular season. Uh, it's, it's really an interesting book. So if somebody's looking for a last-minute gift, COVID curveball, Tim Neverett. And, and, the, and the best part is Tim is a, is a Nashville guy. Yeah. Sure is. Yep. Yep. And so, there's uh, probably some people know his brother, uh, BJ, who yeah. is, a, is a football and basketball official and uh, was the manager of the Nashville Silver Knights in the Futures League, uh, college summer league for years. So Tim's done very well for himself. He was always, uh, I grew up with him. And he was always uh, journalism minded, even back when we were younger, you know. He, he, he was the guy that he was the guy that submitted the uh, Pop Warner results in the local paper, you know, back when we were twelve. You know, he type them up and send them in. So I look forward to having you and uh, Tim Never on with us uh, real soon. And for Roger Brown, this is Sherm Chester. Thank you for joining us. Have a happy holiday and a safe holiday season. And join us for our next edition of the Seco Sports Forum. Be sure to subscribe to Exeter TV on YouTube and hit the bell to get notified about new episodes of the Seco Sports Forum and other local content. Follow the Sports Forum team behind the scenes on our Facebook and Twitter pages and send us your game footage and photos to our email. That's secosportsforum.extv at gmail.com. This is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum. Whoa.